The Daily Ding is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know the NBA ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way into the game. You know, there are the panoramic seat view photos from every single section as you're navigating through the app. It makes it simple, quick, and easy to just find the seat you want, find the view that you're really looking for, and then two taps to check out. It's just that easy. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last minute tickets. Welcome to the Daily Ding on the Athletic Podcast Network. They got to do better on these presents. <laughs> 30 years. Yeah. 30 million plastic. They gave me that little plastic thing with 30. They gave you one with 20. You, to... you gave me a 20. Yeah, it was just smaller. Same thing, man. Come on now. Thanks to everybody for uh, an unbelievable day. My brother in. Congratulations, Ernie. Oh, he's a jolly good fellow. <laughs> but nobody can deny. Oh, man. Uh, man, I've been here 30 years. Y'all give him a paperweight. Uh, paperweight. <laughs> <laughs> Try Spanish, but I ain't really that good at Spanish. This is how it goes. When I hope, I have no friends. I want Tyler to know his ass should have got thrown out. If I was a ref, I would have tossed his ass. How dare you? Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Friday morning. We've got all of your NBA action from a two-game Thursday night in the league. I am Jared Weiss. I'm joined by Mo Dakhill with Rob Lopez, who is live from Cream City. Coming up on today's Daily Ding, Giannis is speedrunning triple doubles. JJ is making it rain. And Sam Amick joins us later in the show to discuss his emotional profile of Monty Williams. But first... Mello couldn't hold off the herd. The Bucks beat the Blazers 137 to 129 in Milwaukee. It was a second night of a back-to-back for the Bucks after they played in Atlanta the night before, but they've now won six in a row. They're 12 and three for the year. It seems like they've kind of solidly taken back that top team in the East crown. Giannis with a triple double of 23 points, 19 rebounds and 15 assists. Although he struggled at the line and he went one for seven from three. It was the fastest triple double of his career and somehow that was enough to stop mellow mellow all eyes are on mellow right now he played well he had 18 points seven epic incredibly appropriate rebounds the box out by anthony <laughs> but between Giannis and then eric bledsoe with 30 points mo the bucks were just way too much for the blazers tonight I mean, it was a little bit of a weird game because you were just waiting constantly for the Bucks to sort of bust this game wide open. But the Blazers, you got to give them credit with all the injuries, no Dame, no Whiteside and all the other injuries before just kind of hung in there. They cut the lead to two in the fourth quarter, but then the Bucks went on a big 16 to four run and that really kind of opened it up for them. Uh, it's just they just don't have the the horses. The Blazers, unfortunately, the Bucks won the, the rebounding battle big time. You know, 58 to 41, 18 offensive rebounds for 27 second chance points. You're not going to win a lot of games if you're giving all that up. 
Yeah, there were 209 field goal attempts in this game. That could be the most that I've seen in a regulation game in my life. That was remarkable. And you know what? The Blazers' second unit ironically stepped up with everybody here because Dame was out with back spasms. Hassan Whiteside is out with a hip. They have Anthony Tolliver at the five guarding Giannis, for God's sake. Yeah. Anthony Tolliver, it's it's amazing that they have Anthony Tolliver and Carmelo Anthony next to each other because you have like one guy who kind of shaped his game to have longevity and then the exact opposite and mellow and the fact that they're kind of next to each other at the same point of their careers is pretty fascinating um and obviously it did not work although Giannis did go nine for 27 so that's pretty good but i do gotta say you gotta give credit i do gotta say my very favorite part of this game was the very first blazers possession where they went to mellow in the post isolation against one Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> and I think my reaction was like, really, that's the first play of the game. I'm like, this thing is going to be over if you try to do that even for a second time today. Uh, obviously, the end result was nope. a turnover, but it just was. I was just like, that's a bad idea. Let's one up on that one. The end of the third quarter, Mello has a ball at the top and waves off CJ McCollum so he can take Giannis ISO. Gets a screen, actually uses it pretty well. Does a pretty nice job kind of snaking on the screen to drive with the, and finish with his left. And then Giannis just comes from behind and spanks the ball. And it was just, it was, it was very, very comical and very on brand for Mello. But Mello actually was not that bad in this game. Although it's just amazing to see that two games into his uh, career with the Blazers and it's like nothing's changed. But Scala BCA deserves a shout out. He went 10 for 16. He had 22 points and 12 boards in this game. And he was really vital to keeping them in the game. He had some huge mid-range shots in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. And it was just shocking to see him kind of stroke in these little like rainbow 15 footers over and over and over game. And that really kept them alive in this. Yeah, I mean, that was a big part for them. That's really what kept the the Blazers moving. And, you know, that and CJ going off for 37 really was kind of the the thing that kept them in. But now the Blazers are down to two and nine for the month of November and uh, just not looking pretty right now. It ain't good. By the way, Dante Givincenzo continues to have a great sophomore season after being hurt. Most of his rookie year, he had 16 points starting at the two. Shout out Pat Connaughton, 18 points on 7 for 10 shooting in this one as well. Ever wonder how to get the hottest new sneakers, the ones that barely hit shelves? The answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. Millions are already using StockX to find everything after it sells out, from the latest Yeezys to every retro Jordan to the hottest new streetwear from brands like Supreme, Bape, Palace, and Kith. You're looking to add the Air Jordan 1 Fearless UNC Chicago to your rotation? I'm not, but maybe you're feeling nostalgic for a pair of Amerix 95s. You can find it all and more on StockX, sometimes even for prices lower than retail. True story, I got a pair of the Adidas Futura 4D on there, a shoe that I always died to get never thought it in a million years i'd be able to get it I was able to get it for less than retail uh so it's actually legit StockX allows users to buy and sell pre-owned excellent condition luxury handbags and watches as well from brands like louis vuitton chanel gucci rolex omega tudor and more if you want in on all the hype check out stockx.com slash bball for a surprise offer that won't be around long that is stockx.com slash bball check it out today 
Let's get to some news, and it's bad in Orlando. Center Nikola Vucevic and forward Aaron Gordon will remain out after both underwent MRIs for ankle injuries Thursday. According to our very own Shams Sharania, Vucevic is expected to miss at least four weeks. The team is saying he's going to be reevaluated in seven to ten days. I assume that means they're going to check Shams' Twitter in seven to ten days. Aaron Gordon is diagnosed with a right ankle contusion, the Magic said. His return to action will depend on how he responds to treatment as is most returns to action, but he's expected to be out a week or so at the very least. Both players suffered their injuries during the second quarter of Wednesday night's loss at Toronto, which is ironic because Toronto, a little while ago, they lost uh, two guys at the same time, Serge Ibaka and Kyle Lowry. So these injuries seem to come in pairs for these teams in the middle of the Eastern Conference. But Orlando has a tough schedule ahead. In one month, they're going to be seeing Milwaukee, the Lakers, Houston, NOLA, Utah, Denver, Portland, Portland's not too hard anymore, <laughs> um, but they got a lot of tough games going up here. So, uh, Mo, time to sound the alarm in Orlando. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like they were really killing it to begin with. You know, they're at six and eight. They're four. They've won four out of their last ten. Like, it, it's one of those things where you, you got to kind of you need to get going. So you got to start to panic here a little bit. I certainly am. I had high expectations for them. They've certainly struggled on the offensive end and. Now we're in a bit of trouble because now two of your top guys are out and you got to look for guys like Jonathan Isaacs to step up. Markel Fultz has to pick a bigger role. Uh, Mo Bamba has to really kind of start to shine here. It's it's a little bit nervous time in uh, Magic City. Yeah. You know, one of the big questions is Mo Bamba is supposed to be under a minutes restriction. And do they have to push a little bit here? Um, does he have to kind of get a little bit further than where they want him at this point? Or do they just kind of hope Ken Birch could really play really well here and Jonathan Isaac has to take it on? It's going to be tough. But hey, at least Markel Fultz has been playing pretty well as of late. So there is something to look forward to in the future for this team, even if the present future is not looking very pretty. All right. We are now joined by the host of the Tampering Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network and available wherever podcasts are sold. Sam Amick, thank you for joining the ding. Jared, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. All right. So you just dropped a doozy coming out of Phoenix, a really beautiful, well-written, heart-string-tugging profile on Monty Williams, who has made a pretty remarkable comeback from losing his wife in a tragic car accident, taking time away, and then coming back and now leading a Phoenix Suns team that looks like it's prime for the playoffs. And I was curious, what, why was now the time for you to do this story? Um, good question, Jared. How do I, I don't know. What's the answer there? I mean, for one, I guess to hit the rewind button all the way to 2016, um, like a lot of people, I was definitely struck at the time by Monty's grace in dealing with tragedy and specifically, you know, his speech at his, late wife's, uh, you know, tribute service was the type of thing that, that sticks with you for a long time. It's, you know, to have that kind of character and that kind of a moment. Uh, and you know, specifically, I remember him kind of imploring the people in attendance and the people watching, um, online, you know, to think about the family of, of the, the driver who had for all intents and purposes killed his wife. And it, it like, that's just the kind of headspace that, at the time, I'm going, man, how do you get there eight days after your wife was killed? Um, so that always stuck with me. And, you know, I've known Monty through the years, uh, going back to the Portland assistant coach days and from there. And um, once he got the head coaching job 
I just kind of, I hadn't talked to him in quite some time and I had been wondering for a long time, just truly how is he and, and kind of how does life move on after that kind of a tragedy. So fast forward to uh, Team USA is playing an exhibition game in Anaheim. And this is in the summer. This is, I'm talking the the team that went to China and fell flat and, and, you know, finished ninth or whatever the heck they did in FIBA World Cup. And I go to the exhibition game. Um, I think it was Australia. And I see Monty at the game, kind of reconnected real briefly. And that got my head back in that space. Like, you know, we had never had that conversation. How are you? What's going on? Um, fast forward again, our, you know, I think this is fair to share that our editors and our team had kind of decided like, hey, why, why don't we focus on certain individual markets for coverage purposes that are a little bit not off the grid, but like we are really hyper focused on the LA's, the New York's and markets like that, that, you know, we made a concerted effort to look at Phoenix. And when I was told that money was the first thing that came to mind and started kind of putting feelers out to get a sense of if you'd be willing to talk and, and kind of took it from there. Now, so you have this background with money. Can you tell me, what are you seeing that's maybe different about the way that he's running this Phoenix team compared to how he was as a coach in the past? It's hard for me. I don't know how you see it, Jared, but it's hard to, to kind of extract from because you have such an apples and oranges basketball landscape. Um, when you have somebody like Anthony Davis, there's a certain element of just throw the ball to him that is always going to be there. And they were guilty back then, if anything. And I wonder, actually, I have not talked to him about this. I wonder what his reflections might be X's and O's on how reluctant he was early to just throw the ball to AD. You know, if you remember, he didn't start him in his rookie season. He, he really took it very slow and wanted AD to, to kind of just grow in a, in a pretty measured way. And then eventually they got to the place where they started feeding him. But that was a kind of a familiar refrain about, you know, from Monty critics was that he just wasn't leaning on AD enough. Um, and you had the Drew Holiday component. This team is, is, a, is a meritocracy, if you will. Devin Booker is doing more now than he ever has when it comes to having an overall basketball game, not just being the guy who can go give you 40 every night but actually defending, trying to become more of a playmaker. Um, the Ricky Rubio addition, you know, which I think their front office of James Jones and Jeff Bauer deserves credit for is an interesting one because they had a crack at guy like D'Angelo Russell, but they went for kind of the Monty high character, more well-rounded, more experienced uh, player like Ricky. And, and so far when Ricky has been healthy, you know, he's been a good fit with Devin. Uh, and then Aaron Baines too. I mean, Monty has leaned on him a lot. Um, they lose DeAndre Aiden with that 25 game suspension for violating the league's drug policy. And, and Aaron's been a beast. And, and honestly, I mean, you could argue, uh, I mean, maybe not the MVP cause you got Devin there, but, but it's close, you know, he's been really good so far. Yeah, I mean, it, I feel like this is the same situation where he has a great big to build around because, as you're saying, Aaron Baines is on their roster, the MVP of the league probably at this point. And so that's <laughs> very sarcastic, but he has been amazing. Okay, as a quick aside, people need to read uh, Gina Mizell's story on, and Gina does a great job as the beat writer at The Athletic on the Suns. She did a piece on Aaron. I did not realize how crazy he was, and I learned that a little bit 
in Phoenix. Um, I kind of wish I could tell the whole story. I don't think I can put someone's laundry out there like this, but like, I'm going to generalize and say, I just heard a story out there that was about Aaron and, and an interaction he had with a, a team official where they, you know, there's a getting to know you process because he's a new player and they learn the hard way that like this dude takes his routine insanely seriously. And if you dare to get in the way of his routine, like he might want to come eat your children. That's kind of just how he's wired. And, and so like that, I mean, jokes aside, like that intensity and that competitiveness and all those years under Greg Popovich in San Antonio, I, I think has served the Suns well so far. Well, I can tell you quickly, I just covered Aaron for the last few years. And there yeah, was one right. there was that's one right. time before a game where I was like in the way of his uh, of him getting out of the locker room. And I have never moved that fast in my entire life to try to get out of that man's <laughs> way because you just see. I mean, I, I don't know what he's I know he's listed somewhere in the 260s. That guy's got to be at least 300 pounds. He's so insanely huge. And you just see him barreling towards you. And you're like, I. it's like being in Pamplona. It's like, you got to get out of there. Or you're getting trampled. <laughs> and that's, that's what it's like being he's around he's Aaron a, for everybody like a, all the time. He's got a, a Thor like quality that uh, is definitely intimidating and not the, not the beer belly fat Thor from the, the latest movie, but <laughs> no, Aaron's been good. You know, they, uh, I'm curious, listen, I mean, to, I guess to kind of measure the analysis, we'll see if, if they can keep it up. You know what I mean? Like, I think to your original question about Monty and the coaching, um, it's apropos that the, the message coming from the players and the organization so far, as far as like evaluating Monty's job performance is that it's, it's very in line with his personality, which is that who he is as a man has made an imprint on them quickly and has you know, raised the level of intensity, raised the level of buy-in. But Devin in particular seems to have really bought in to Monty's spirit, Monty's wiring, who he is and, and what he wants to do here. And I think that all that stuff is, is playing a part too. All right. Well, we'll see if they win the title this year, Sam. We really appreciate you coming on. And <laughs> don't forget everyone to listen to the tampering pod as soon as you're done listening to the show. Thank you, Jared. Appreciate it, man. Thanks again to Sam Amick for joining us. Now let's get down to Phoenix, where the Pelicans came in and won 124 to 121 in a game that looked like it was kind of ending early and then all of a sudden turned into a thriller at the end. That was pretty fascinating. Lonzo Ball returns after missing about two weeks. He missed six games there, uh, but it was J.J. Redick who really took over. He had 26 points, a uh, team high or even a game high on 10 for 14 shooting in this one. And a uh, bit of a newser here. Reggie Miller said on the telecast that a little birdie spoke in his ear and said that Zion's rehab is on track and he should be back by mid-December. So does this team need Zion back right away or can they just let Brandon Ingram carry them to the promised land? They probably need Zion to come back, but they need him to come back in shape, ready to go. They definitely can't rush his rehab if and make sure he's he's ready and it just ready to roll we've seen some of the pictures a lot of us are a little bit curious as to what kind of condition he's in but if ingram is going to close games the way he closed this one 15 fourth quarter points you, you know like it they don't need to feel the need to rush they've they've won three in a row they're kind of beginning they got rid of that early funk where they had a ton of injuries holiday was a beast defensively i they're they're kind of looking like the Pelicans we thought they would look like. You know, Reddick was unreal the first quarter and the third quarter. Uh, Pelicans hit their 10 first shots in the, the third quarter. Uh, they jacked up the 11th one. I think they could have made 11 in a row, but I think Reddick wanted to go for the heat check. And, I mean, 
they looked really good at this. I, I mean, granted, it's the Suns, and they were pretty banged up too, but they looked pretty good in this one. Yeah, the Suns were without their MVP Aaron Baines in this one, so that really cuts them at the legs. But uh, although I thought Frank Kaminsky did a pretty solid job at the five filling in for him, uh, but Jackson Hayes was filling in for Derek Favors, who was out in this one, and he made some great plays on both ends. His energy level was was good. I thought his defensive awareness was better than I expected at this point for someone who's barely even nineteen coming into the league. Uh, but let's let's stay on Ingram. Ingram is closing. And that's one of the big steps I think that we were looking for with him to see if he was going to turn into a max player this offseason is can he actually really show up in the fourth quarters and really get into his game in the fourth quarters? And we're just seeing as a playmaker, as a finisher, he has the spots that he's able to get to. Took a lot of the same shots that Scalabissie, ironically, was taking in the fourth quarter, the game before with those kind of like mid-range rainbows. But he is just able to get to the rim at will now. He just got a lot tougher, a better ball handler. He really sh- he really showed in this game, even though maybe Drew Holiday and J.J. Redick were the feature guys of this game, uh, that Ingram is... Is that closer that they need if they're going to actually make a playoff run this year? Well, yeah, I mean, he shot the ball really well. He was three for six from three. And, you know, he just he showed everything he could do, even in that tight span in that fourth quarter where you're just kind of like, this is the guy everybody was excited about, you know, when he was drafted and when he got to New Orleans. So, you know, it's consistency with him. This is the this is the Ingram we need to see on a regular basis. So. He was also engaged defensively as well. Like it, it was just an all around a good game. If you're in New Orleans right now, you got to be feeling pretty confident if you're uh, Alvin Gentry walking out of this one. In real time fact check, it was actually Ingram with the game high with 28 points. I was wrong on Reddick with 26 there, but also shout out to Etwan Moore, 19 points on eight for 12 from the field. Uh, and Cam Johnson, the 50 year old rookie, had 14 points in this one as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, also Kelly Oubre was great with 25, six and four. Devin Booker with 19 points, but had, you know, seven assists, but six turnovers. Like, you obviously need to see that number go down. And you could definitely felt like they missed Ricky Rubio in this one. Let's get to these lines of the night here. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 24 points, 19 boards, 15 assists, his fastest triple-double of his career. C.J. McCollum managed to get 37 points despite Mello waving him off. 10 assists and 6 rebounds for him as well. Eric Bledsoe, 30 points, 6 assists, 4 rebounds. We just talked about Ingram and Redick. But shout-out Drew Holiday, 23 points and 9 assists in this game. And just one of the sexiest drives that we've seen all year in crunch time with I think it was a maybe a double or even a triple crossover move and then the left hand scoop layup in crunch time that was beautiful uh, what's your line of the night Mo my line of the night is Brandon Ingram but I want to give a shout out to my honorable mention which was the goat at halftime of inside the NBA that was just freaking shack out the entire time uh, that goat is the honorable mention line of the night for me here we are we got goats in studio J right here and uh, uh, and we've we've got Megan and Jason. And <laughs> I always thought you were the goat. So so Megan. Why the fuck need goats? Uh. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Do not forget about the other basketball shows across the Athletic Podcast Network. We still have your favorite shows like Back to Back, No Dunks, Tampering, hosted by our friend Sam Amick, and House of Strauss, plus over a dozen team-specific shows available from some of your favorite athletic beat writers. Don't forget to follow on the app to get notifications for the new episodes. And if you're not a member of The Athletic, 
you're in luck because you can get all of your podcasts ad-free plus some fantastic writing across all major sports all for a super low price get 40 percent off your subscription today at theathletic.com slash dings never know when these promos end so get there soon so thank you for waking up with us and mo take me out of here ding ding <laughs>